When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matthias met my eyes, an embarrassed smile flickering across his face. I know how this sounds. I do, but as my hands brushed against them, I could feel the tips, the roots of thousands or millions of teeth stacked on their sides like tiny bricks, all facing outward like a mouth turned inside out. I could see more now. It wasn't bright in there, but there was a kind of glow in the air, or maybe my eyes just got used to the dark. Then there was light, real light, crawling through the gaps in the teeth, coming in from something outside that was getting closer. I put my eyes up to different holes, but I couldn't see anything more than moving shadows, so I put my ear against the wall instead, and I could hear someone talking. The air was so thick in that place. It was like... It made the words slow to travel, even those that reached me seemed distorted and strange. But there were two voices, I think, and they were talking about killing an animal. Spasmed awake, the disorientation of the fading dream quickly being replaced by my grateful relief. Looking around the room, I confirmed the reality of things, my bedroom and my house, just as I remembered it. And I could hear distant stirrings from the kitchen that must be Carrie. Entering the kitchen, I saw her sitting at the bar, groggily sipping coffee. She smiled at me, and I nodded with a grunt as I headed for the coffee pot. Behind me, I heard her snicker. You look like I feel. I woke up this morning with a distinct impression that I'm too fucking old to get out drinking anymore. I nodded without thinking about it. Yeah, we slept late, didn't we? Turning around, I blew on the coffee before taking a sip. And I didn't sleep too great. I glanced at Carrie before looking away, but not quick enough to miss her deepening frown. You okay? Were you sick during the night or something? You really do look kind of bad. I nodded again, staring down at the black pool in my cup. Yeah, I... I think so, yeah. It had a really weird dream. It was, uh, it was about Matthias. I glanced up at her. Matthias talking to me about some creepy bullshit. Carrie raised an eyebrow. Your brother? Weird. You want to tell me about it? Shrugging, I sat the coffee down. It was just him coming to visit, you know? Like he hadn't disappeared when I was a kid just came up and started talking to me, telling me. I heard my voice grow thin as my throat grew tight. Fuck. I blinked as I felt the ground sway slightly beneath me. Meeting her eyes again, I expelled the next words like poison escaping a broken tomb. 
I don't... I don't think that was a dream. Or it was, but it wasn't just a dream. It was a dream... It was a dream of a memory. Her eyes widened. What? You mean like something you remember from when you were little, before your brother was gone? I shook my head violently as though the motion might dispel my growing fear and certainty. No, I was... grown. I don't think it was that long ago. Maybe six months or a year ago? My gaze was pleading as I found her face again. How is that possible? How can I have forgotten seeing my missing brother just a few months ago? Carrie got up and moved around the bar to me. Putting one arm around me, she rubbed the other comfortingly on my chest. Sweetie, it's not. I think I'd remember it too, right? Either I would have seen him or you would have told me about it, but... I think the dream just has you confused. I frowned down at her. Maybe, I mean, it makes sense, but the memory is so strong now. It's like it was there, and it was always there, but I just couldn't see it. She nodded. Dreams are like that sometimes. I've had dreams where I was flying or paddling a boat in the ocean, and for a while after I woke up, I'd swear they were real. It'll pass. Just try not to let it freak you out too much. Glancing over at the oven clock, she muttered a curse. I've got to get ready or I'll be late again. Call me if you need me, okay? I returned her quick kiss as I looked at the clock. I needed to get moving too. I've worked as a pharmaceutical rep for the past three years, and most weeks were divided between road days and office days. That day was a road day, so I had plenty of time to think about my dream and whether it was based on something real. What Carrie had said was the most reasonable explanation, but I couldn't make it fit with what I felt. I sat in interstate traffic, crushed between road construction behind and an accident a mile up, combing through that memory, the memory, not the memory of the dream. There were two distinct things in my mind, even though they were almost identical. I remembered the dream last night, but... I also had the memory of Matthias coming over to our house a few months ago when Carrie was away visiting her brother. He told me he didn't have much time, that he never did, that he needed to tell me what he could before he was gone again. What he told me of being trapped in a strange hell with various rooms and terrors made no sense. I remember thinking in the real version that he must be on drugs. That would explain why he disappeared without a word so many years before, but something kept nagging me both in the memory and as I sat sweating in the sweltering heat of my car's laboring air conditioner. He'd come to visit me before. Once I had the thought, it was as though a door had opened in my mind, or maybe like a closed wound had come undone. It was painful and hard to handle, the sudden sense that out in the dark, other memories lay waiting, waiting like sharp bits of 
precious stone that were priceless and demanded collection, but that would cut and bleed me every time I reached out and grasped them. I fumbled in the dark as I went through the rest of my day like a sleepwalker. When Carrie asked me how my day went, I lied and told her it was fine. That I was tired and that I was going to bed early. That much was true. I felt drained. But I also hoped that I would find more asleep than I had in the waking world. Hey, Pete. I jerked up at the voice suddenly by my elbow. The lab. The entire science building. It had been empty when I got there an hour before. I planned on finishing this chem assignment in the next 30 minutes and be gone, but now I'd have to waste time chit-chatting with as my eyes found the man standing next to me. Matthias? He nodded and smiled. Yeah, man. Pulling me into an awkward hug, he patted my back briefly before pulling away. I know this is weird. Do you remember me coming before? I frowned at him. Before? When? His smile fell away as he shook his head slightly. Doesn't matter. It's not much time. Just try to remember this time, okay? He glanced around the large classroom. You're in college now, huh? I nodded. Uh, yeah. Man, where have you been? Mom and Dad are going to flip out. We need to... Matthias' expression grew hard and he gripped my arm painfully. No. You don't tell them anything. Jesus. You really don't remember anything, do you? Seeming to catch himself, he let me go and took a step back. Sorry. I... I keep getting sent back to you. I'm trying to help you, but I don't know if I can. It all spins around and around, you know? I shook my head. Uh, are you on something? He smirked at me. <laughs> no. You always ask that. But we don't have time for this. You need to listen. I'll give you as much detail as I can before I'm gone again. Just listen. Okay? I nodded and he began. I didn't just go missing. I was taken. Our parents... They aren't good people, Pete. They're into... Well, they're into bad stuff. Evil stuff. I don't mean like they're drug dealers. They're into black magic or, well... I don't know how it really works. What I do know is that they've made a deal with some... thing. Mom told me that much when they took me. Just gagged me one night when I was asleep in bed and carried me off into the woods. At first I thought it was some weird prank or they'd gone crazy and they were talking in some language I didn't understand and the place they'd brought me had been prepared with... Circles of rocks and candles and... 
other things. It's it's hard to remember all of it, but it was horrible what they'd done. I the eye it was like an eye opened in the night of the world. A bright cut in the dark near me, inside that inner circle of white stones. At first it was small, but it got bigger and bigger and then something came through. Just a little. Just enough to grab me and pull me in. Pete, I've been trapped with that thing for so long. I don't know time anymore. Everything seems endless now, but worse than that is the looping. I feel like I can see reflections of myself living through this over and over with slight variations. Sometimes it feels like that's all I can see. I remember so much. Hell, I remember times like this when I'm sent to you the strongest. I remember having versions of this conversation, some in this very room, so many fucking times. Memories of memories of memories, all full of terror and pain and the reminder that the prison never ends. There are no doors, only walls. And these walls form a never-ending circle. I gasped like a fish as I shuddered awake in the pre-dawn blue of the world. Carrie was still asleep beside me and I felt sure my ragged breaths and shaking would wake her, but she didn't stir. After a few calming moments, I eased from the bed and walked unsteadily to the bathroom. Sitting on the closed toilet seat, I held my face and softly cried as I tried to ease my mind. That hadn't just been a dream. I remembered Matthias finding me when I was a junior in college. That had been, what, ten years ago? And yet I didn't remember until now? What was he saying? About everything looping about our parents? That, that couldn't be true. That wasn't the real world. There weren't really demons, and sure, some crazy people might be in cults or whatever, but our parents were normal, nice, boring people. I hadn't kept in touch with them as much lately as I should, but growing up, we were close. And I think I'd known if they'd done something to Matthias. It was crazy bullshit. And yet, I didn't want to call or text them now any more than I had six months ago when he visited or ten years ago when he'd found me in that lab. I'd never talked to them or anyone about the times he visited me. Because it's all in your head, dumbass. You're getting twisted over fucking dreams. The voice in my head was my own, harsh and condescending. It was also lying. These weren't just dreams. This happened. And there was more. I woke up to a hand over my mouth. There was a moment of panicked fear 
And then I heard Matthias's voice in my ear. He was back? What was going on? I blinked in the dark as I tried to sit up. He placed his other hand gently on my shoulder to keep me in place as he whispered again. No, Pete. Stay still for now. Still and quiet. Just listen. They're coming for you soon. Pete, it's our parents. They're bad people. They're bad and they took me. Shit. How old are you? His hand lifted slightly from my mouth. Whisper it. My breath shook as I puffed out the words. I'm 15. What is... The words were muffled as his hand clamped back down tighter. When he spoke again, it was more so he was talking to himself. Fuck. Five years? It... It doesn't matter. Time is a lie. Time is a lie. His voice broke as he choked back a sob, and when he spoke again, it sounded like he was crying. Pete, they took me, gave me to this terrible thing that lives in a terrible, terrible place, and now they're coming for you. I know none of this makes sense, but you have to believe me. When I let you up, I need you to get dressed and I need you to run. Get away from them. I know that sounds crazy, but you were always a smart kid. Get somewhere safe and find people you can trust. Tell them mom and dad abuse you. Whatever lie you need to make up, keep them from getting you again. If they do, you'll wind up stuck like I am. Matthias tensed as the floor outside my door let out a soft creak. Honey, are you listening? I looked up at Carrie who sat across from me, her eyes red-rimmed and wet with tears. Uh, yeah. Sorry, babe. What were you saying? She sniffled. I... I was asking what you thought we should do. Mom said Ruffles is suffering, right? And I know it's selfish to keep him alive. He's lived a really long time for a dog, even a little one, but... He was my dog growing up. She wants me to decide, and I don't know what to do. Her face crumpled as she began to cry harder, and I pulled her against my chest, holding her tight as another sob came. I know, baby. It's hard. But like you said, he's had a good, long life. And it's not the end, is it? Things don't just stop. Even if Ruffles isn't here anymore, that doesn't mean he doesn't go on. I don't have all the answers, but I believe that things go on and on. Seems like it's filled with so much. For a long time, I felt like I was moving forward, making progress, seeing new rooms and places and people and lives, filled with so many things, but it's not really... It's just a circle filled with smoke and light and shadows. It took me a long time to understand that. A long time to reach the edge of that place and find the walls 
or really just one wall that loops forever. Matthias reached out to grab my hand, his touch and words terrible in their momentary comfort and confirmation. I've touched the edge of the prison so many times now, Pete. For a while, I thought that wall was made out of time itself, but that's wrong. He swallowed. He lowered his eyes, bulging with concentration. Time is a lie. Looking up at me, Matthias gave my hand a squeeze as his lips began to tremble. No. I've seen past that. It's more than just endless memories and new pains, or hard brick and stone. It it makes the prison from us, you see. I see that sometimes now I can remember reaching out and understanding why the wall can hurt so much. It's because... Hey everyone, I want to hop in here real quick and just tell you about Universal Yums. I've talked about them a handful of times on the channel. If you've been here for a while, you probably recognize the uh, the sponsor. But they currently have Halloween-centered boxes right now. You can get some a family pack or just a smaller pack for a smaller group. It comes with eight different candies and a spinner wheel. Make it a really fun little game for everyone to try out some new candies from all around the world on Halloween. And they also have specific boxes to make like fun little treats with kids. They have skeletons with pretzel heads and spiders with Twizzler legs. It's a lot of fun for everyone. And if you order one right now, it will definitely get there before Halloween. <laughs> I promise you that. So if it sounds like something you or your family's interested in, go over to the link in the description, pick one up. It really helps out the channel. And it shows sponsors that you guys actually listen and care about what they're making, which helps me out in numerous different ways. So if you want to get something fun to do with the kids this Halloween, check out that link in the top of the description and check out Universal's Yum's Halloween boxes. Thanks, everyone. Let's get back into the stories. There was a window in the house my parents bought that summer in 2009. Okay, there were a lot of windows, but there was an unexpected window. A window that shouldn't have been there. It was in the basement. We didn't know what it was at first because it had been boarded up with rotting wood that was slowly falling away from the wall. It was a bit of a fixer-upper, that house. So Dad tore off the rest of the wood and that's where they found the window. It was an oval-shaped one with one smooth piece of glass inside. When you tried to peer through it, all you'd see was a brick wall. It's very strange. Even my mom and dad were perplexed. And that's back when they knew everything. Or at least I thought they did. So for them to have no answers was some kind of extraordinary. My brother Adam, my sister Margot, and I were fascinated by the little window. We liked to sit in the unfinished basement and stare at it, making up stories about why it was there and what was really behind it. Sometimes they were fantasy stories about 
fairies and magic faraway lands. Sometimes there were scary stories about ghosts and goblins. Most often, they were something in between. As the weeks wore on in the new house, Margot and I grew sort of bored of the little window. There were other things in the house to explore, after all. But Adam? He was obsessed with it. He kept begging us to play with him in the basement so we could make up games with the window. He was tiresome about it, as little brothers often are. So while Margot and I explored the attic and the big walk-in pantry and the creek in the woods behind the house, Adam stayed in the basement. We thought it was weird, but our parents told us there was nothing to worry about. One day, maybe a month after we moved into the house, I went down to the basement to call Adam up for supper. I found him with his eyes closed, counting out loud. What are you doing? I asked him. Playing hide-and-seek. What? (laughs) With who? With the girl in the window. I looked at the window but didn't see anything. Just that brick wall behind it. I don't see anyone. That's because she's hiding, dummy. I'm it. Once he was done counting, he turned to go upstairs. Hey, where are you going? It's supper time, isn't it? Well, yeah, but you said you were playing a game. This is the game. I'll have to come back and try to catch her in the window. If I just stand there and stare, she'll never come out. I have to surprise her. You're being weird, I told him. He just shrugged and we went up to eat. But I had to take one last hard look at the window. Still didn't see anything. I figured Adam must be messing with me. Called Adam playing hide and seek with the window several times over the next few weeks. He told me that it was his favorite game to play. I tried to get Margot to play with him too, but she couldn't see anybody and got frustrated. She wanted to play actual hide and seek, and we did sometimes, but Adam didn't like to be away from the window for very long. At this point, Mom and Dad seemed to start getting worried. Adam was spending an awful lot of time down in that basement, and it wasn't right for a child to be in the dark for so long. They wanted him to go outside and play with us and the neighborhood kids. Eventually, they took to shooing him out of the basement. He kicked up a bit of a fuss, but eventually he'd come outside and spend some time with us. Gradually, he seemed to get a little less attached to the window. Things went on that way until one night in late July. Everyone was asleep. Mom and Dad in their bedroom, across the hall. Margot and I in the bedroom we shared, and Adam in the room next to ours. Margot had gotten up at night to get a glass of water from the kitchen. While she was drinking her water, she saw a man standing by the basement door. As she would later tell us, he was tall and lanky with thin, scraggly black hair. He was soaking wet, dripping water on the floor. He had bloated eyes that looked as though they were about to tip right out of their sockets. And they were pure white, like they had some sort of film over them. 
His jaw was slack, showing a mouthful of rotting flesh. His skin was sort of bluish-gray and sagged around his frame. She screamed bloody murder until all of us were downstairs. At the time, all she could tell us was that she'd seen a man by the basement door, and lo and behold, the basement door was open. Mom took us all upstairs to their bedroom while Dad called the police. They searched the house while Mom tried in vain to calm Margot down, but she kept sobbing. I remember Adam was unusually quiet, his face completely drained of color. I thought he was just upset by Margot's screaming. Well, the police didn't find anything. No sign of forced entry, no evidence that anyone would have been there. They sat down and spoke to Margot, trying to get a description of the man from her. She wasn't able to get it all out at the time, but... She gave them enough details for them to determine that she must have been sleepwalking and had a nightmare. Margot insisted she hadn't and was so distraught that she wouldn't sleep in our room anymore. She insisted on sleeping in the master bedroom with our parents. Mom and Dad, meanwhile, were just happy that there wasn't actually an intruder in the house and after letting us stay up for a while to have some hot chocolate and watch some silly cartoons, they put us back to bed. I didn't sleep well that night. In the early hours of the morning, Adam came to my room and I could tell from his tired eyes that he hadn't slept either. I need to talk to you, he whispered. I sat up and patted my bed until he came over and sat down. I know that man, he said. The man Margot saw? I could feel my eyes bugging out of my head. Why didn't you say anything? Because he's from the window. Like the girl. There's a whole group of them, see? Living there. The man and the woman and the girl and the baby and the boy and... Well... There's a lot of them, is all. You're telling me that they came out of the window? I asked. I didn't think they could, he said, looking disturbed. The girl told me that they were stuck in there. I think they're coming out to look for me because I stopped playing with them. I found myself shuddering even as I tried to dismiss his claims. This isn't a game, Adam. Margot was really scared last night. I'm not playing around, he said, his voice getting louder. I mean it. They're real. I can see them. He was practically shouting, and then I shushed him. Fine, then let's just ask Mom and Dad to board the window back up. They won't be able to get out then, right? He looked slightly mollified. Right. Good. And let's all of us promise not to go down in the basement anymore. Agreed? Agreed. Can I sleep in here for the rest of the night? It was hardly night anymore, but I agreed. Take Margot's bed. He sighed in relief and clambered into her bed. He was fast asleep in minutes, but I stayed watching over him until the sun finished climbing into the sky. The next day, all three of us demanded Mom and Dad board up the window. 
told Adam not to tell Mom and Dad about the people in the window because I knew they wouldn't believe us. Grown-ups never believe children about these kinds of things. Instead, we just told them that the window scared us. We didn't like it and we wanted it boarded back up. They were a little baffled, but we convinced Margot to tell them that she was afraid of the window, which led them to decide that perhaps it was the reason behind her nightmare. They boarded it up right away. They showed it off to us when they were done, and I'm sure I didn't imagine Adam's sigh of relief. We thought that would be the end of it. For a few days it was. Margot didn't have any more nightmares, but Adam started to feel better. He seemed more relaxed. He avoided the basement like the plague, but then again, we all did. It was late, one night in mid-August, that it happened. I woke up with a jolt, unsure at first what had woken me, until I saw Margot and Adam standing next to my bed. Margot was in tears, and Adam wasn't far behind. There's someone in the basement, said Adam. What are you talking about? How do you know? Did you, did you go down there? I asked. He shook his head. I went to use the bathroom and I could hear something down there. Please, you have to come look. Joy's being a big sister, right? I should have woken up our parents, but I was only ten years old. I was worried if I woke them up for nothing, they'd be mad at us. So instead, I grabbed my little Pooh Bear flashlight and led the way down the stairs to the basement door. Adam was right. There was a sound. Like a loud, scratching noise that was somehow carrying up the basement stairs and through the door. Do you think it's them? whispered Adam. I felt Margot's hand twist in my nightgown as she hid behind my back. No, it can't be. Mom and Dad boarded the window up. Maybe it's an animal that got inside. A raccoon. I'm scared, whispered Margot. You two wait up here. I'm going to go down and have a look. No! Margot shrieked as Adam and I both frantically shushed her. I don't want you to go alone. I don't want to wait here. Please don't leave us here. I remember feeling exasperated and on edge when I asked her, Wouldn't you feel better up here? She shook her head and pressed herself even closer to me. I sighed. Fine. Let's go downstairs. Everything will be okay. I promise. I'll protect you. That's how I found myself flicking on the basement light and creeping slowly downstairs, my little siblings in tow. Nothing looked amiss at first, but the scratching was definitely louder, and it only took a moment to discover that it was definitely coming from the window. I crept closer to take a look. The boards in the front of the window were shaking, just a little trembling, like something was pushing against them from the other side. The next part happened very fast. 
First, a particularly loud scratch and a violent shake of the board finally made it clear that something on the other side was trying to scratch through the wooden boards. Second, as I saw wood dust falling from the barrier, I realized that whatever it was was about to break through. Third, I called out to Adam and Margot, Go upstairs and get Mom and Dad. I'd just barely gotten the last word out when one of the boards splintered and fell away from the window. I only had a moment to register the pale, bluish-gray hand with bloodied fingertips reaching out of the glass, only the glass seemed to have become liquid like the surface of a calm lake. I didn't feel calm when the hand wrapped around my right wrist and yanked me toward the window. I screamed as my entire right arm was plunged through the glass. I barely registered Margot and Adam shrieking for my parents as my arm was seized by an icy, stabbing pain. It felt like icicles were forming on my bones, tearing apart my flesh from the inside. The cold traveled up my arm and through my chest, shocking me into losing my breath and my voice. The thing gripping me yanked and yanked, but I was stuck on the other side of the board, still covering the window. I could feel the wood creaking and groaning as the things pulled harder and harder. I felt rather than heard a strange popping noise, and suddenly the agony in my arm became ten times worse. I got my voice back and screamed and screamed and screamed. I didn't stop when I felt my dad grab me around my waist and pull me back from the window. I didn't stop when he finally managed to get that thing to let me go and we both fell back onto the cement floor. I didn't stop screaming the entire time they drove me to the hospital. I didn't stop until they sedated me. I was a mess. My wrist was broken and circled with deep bruises. My arm had been pulled out of my socket. There were lacerations all up and down my arm, some of them deep enough to need stitches. The police were called, obviously. My parents were distraught. I don't even remember what they told them. I Did they actually tell them about the window? Did they just tell them it was an intruder who tried to kidnap me? Whatever it was, there ended up being some kind of investigation. Social services was involved and I had to talk to a lot of different people. I told them the same thing over again. A thing in the window tried to kill me. That's what it wanted and it almost got it. We moved out of the house soon after that, but not before my dad put iron bars over the window. It had been over a decade since then, and to this day, my parents have never discussed what happened with us. Adam remembers, but he doesn't talk about it. It was only once, when I was back from college for my first winter break, that he brought it up. We were sitting in the living room and chatting late into the night, and he got up quietly before he finally asked me, Do you remember the window? swallowed hard and looked into my hot chocolate, unwilling to meet his eyes. Yeah, I said. There were a few long minutes of silence before he said, Thank you for saving me, for protecting us like you promised. We left it at that. 
I don't think Margot really remembers. She was so young, and she's never mentioned it before. She does have nightmares sometimes, though, about a creepy man standing by a door, about me screaming. None of us have ever told her where those nightmares could be coming from. As for me, I'm doing okay. My arm healed almost completely. There's just a few scars from the cuts left behind. I had nightmares for years, of course, and sometimes I still get them, but I'm... You know, I'm mostly okay. There's just one thing. Since that night, I've been able to sense things I couldn't before. Sometimes I'll feel that cold, sharp, stabbing pain in my arm. When I look around, I'll see someone. Someone who isn't there, at least not physically anymore. With sagging, bluish-gray skin and bloated eyes and rotting teeth. Sometimes, when I close my eyes, I won't see nothingness. I'll see this forlorn space full of wailing and shrieking figures stumbling in the dark and begging for help. For someone to hear them. I'm terrified of the day they realize that there's someone living who can see into the realm of the dead. Good evening, morning, or afternoon, everyone. I hope you enjoyed tonight's stories. I know I did, especially that last one was pretty, pretty insane, pretty crazy, pretty creepy. Big fan of um, Rana Vassilar's writing. She's immensely talented. But as is becoming tradition around here, I would like to pose questions to everyone who is listening. Going off of the last part of the second story, the one about the window that led to nowhere, um, do you, or, well, let me start with this. Do you believe in psychics, the, like, ghost whisperer kind of deal? Just not with Jennifer Love Hewitt or whatever. (laughs) Like a real-life ghost whisperer. Do you believe that there are people out there that can sense and feel and actually connect and communicate with spirits. Very, very interested to hear everyone's take on that because I think mediums and psychics, whatever you wish to call them, I'm sure they're different and I should probably differentiate the two, but whatever you choose to call them, I'm very interested to see where everyone lands on that because from my understanding... Even if you believe in the afterlife, even if you believe in spirits and ghosts and things like that, mediums, psychics, there tends to be this weird gray area. Because I know there are some, there's some bad actors out there that use the, use the platform of a psychic or a medium to just exploit people. I know that's out there. Not saying they're all like that, but it's out there. So I'm very interested to hear your take on that whole thing. I don't really have an opinion on it personally. (laughs) I don't necessarily believe it. I'm not a very spiritual person, but as long as they're not like exploiting anyone and they're actually helping people to get some type of closure, 
I'm all here for it. Um, as far as them actually connecting with deceased loved ones or just deceased people in general, not really totally sold on that. Second thing I would like to pose as a question. Growing up, did your house have any specific thing or any specific part of it, part of it being like a room or an object, something that just gave you really bad vibes, something that made you feel uncomfortable, unwelcome, something that felt haunted. Me personally, my house growing up, the second house I lived in, we moved in when I was like four or so. I barely remember my actual first house, but um, that one never really gave me any kind of strange vibes. I had one bad sleep paralysis episode, but that was about it. I've talked about that a handful of times on the channel, so I won't dwell into it again unless you're all interested. Maybe I'll talk about it in the next video, but my aunt's house, which she lived right beside us, there were numerous times I felt like there was something in that house. And it wasn't even necessarily that old of a house. I think her dad built it on, you know, obviously where it still is, but I don't think it was that old of a house. Maybe, maybe 40-ish, 40, 50 years old, maybe. Um, but I, I stayed at her house a lot when I was a kid. My uncle would go hunting uh, during deer season, and I would hang out at her house because she didn't enjoy being alone. Not because she thought her house was haunted, but just because she was an older lady and she didn't want to be alone. So, me being her nephew and being completely spoiled, to be honest, I spent a lot of time over there. And there are two very distinctive events that I remember. The first one that happened, I believe this happened first. I'm trying to remember. No, 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 no. No, that one happened second. Okay, so the first one, I had to have been maybe eight, nine, maybe even ten years old. I was sleeping in the middle bedroom. There was a hallway in her house. There were two bedrooms on the left and then one on the right, which was hers. Mine was the first one on the left, which would have been right in the middle of the hallway beside the um, bathroom. There was a little nightlight in the hallway that she put up for me because I was a kid and kids are afraid of the dark. And I remember distinctively laying in bed and staring at that, staring at that uh, nightlight and just feeling like something was slowly but surely making its way around the corner past the threshold into my room where I was sleeping and of course nothing ever came in nothing ever nothing ever happened like that but I I distinctively remember seeing like a figure or Maybe just like a shadow, almost. Just like creeping its way across the wall, slowly encapsulating the nightlight until it almost wasn't there. And then I would move, or I'd like look somewhere else, and the nightlight would appear again. Like It was like as soon as I looked at it, it was gone. It's kind of like that peripheral vision 
like ghost thing that people always experience. That was my first real unsettling experience in her house. Um, the second one was even worse. <laughs> that one was more unsettling, but the second one was actually scary. Um, I think... I, I, this actually may have happened before the shadow in the hallway, but I was, I was really young, honestly, maybe five or six. I think I got my timeline messed up, but whatever. It doesn't matter. I think it was about five or six. I had woken up in the middle of the night. It was like 12 in the morning, right? Again, my uncle was gone. My aunt and I were the only two in the house. I could hear her across the hall snoring up a storm. She was dead asleep um and then from the kitchen I hear the drawer silverware drawer open and then the sound of someone like just shaking the hell out of it like it made so much noise and I didn't understand how my aunt didn't wake up because it was loud it sounded like someone had taken the drawer out and just dropped it on the floor. It was crazy loud. So for some reason, I was incredibly brave as a kid and got out of bed, went into the kitchen, turned the light on, checked the drawer, and it was completely untouched. Everything was where it should be. Nothing was in a weird spot. Nothing was facing a strange way. Like It was just completely how she would have left it. She was very particular about things facing the right way and being in the right spot. It was perfect by all means. And that freaked me the hell out. And I ran back to my room and I hid under my covers and eventually fell asleep. And that's like the only two things in that house, at least that have that have happened to me that I don't really have an explanation for. And things, that's the closest I can get to something or some room or something feeling haunted or feeling, making me feel unwanted or unwelcome. She had a basement, not a basement, sorry. She had an attic as well, which was incredibly creepy, but that's just because it's an attic, right? But that's kind of what I mean as far as like this whole, did you have anything in your house that made you feel that way? Anything that happened that gave you genuine fear. I'd love to hear your stories. I still want to read some at the end of videos. Maybe the next video, if you guys have some really good ones, I'll share them with everyone. But uh, thanks so much for listening tonight. Take care of yourselves and each other. Um, stay safe, as always. And good night, good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you are. As always... Sleep tight.